0: and welcome to Bat on Paper podcast. I'm Olivia Mentor. And I'm Becca Freeman. And today we're finishing up the Q&A episode.
1: Yeah, we have all things shopping, books, and miscellaneous.
0: It's going to be fun.
1: Before we get into that, though, I feel like I haven't talked to you in forever because we recorded two episodes when we were in person and then we skipped a week. So I feel very out of touch on your life. Tell me your high.
0: My high is since I got back from the city, actually, I have been going to my local library like multiple times per week to write and to work. And let me just tell you, it is the most relaxing work experience of my life. It is so bright and sunny in there. There's like enough sort of white noise that like it's not dead silent. There's like people talking. I can hear the birds chirping. I can see all the flowers outside. The AC is just pumping that glorious cold air. I love it. I love my local library. I am its biggest fan.
1: What could be more on brand for this podcast?
0: (laughs) Yeah, everyone support your local library.
1: (laughs) Have you checked out any books there? Or are you no. just using it as a workspace right now
0: so i'm kind of divided because i want to check out books to like be supportive but then also i have so many books that i feel like i'd be stealing from someone who oh. may want to but i think i'm going to ask about volunteering actually so fun it's just fun to listen to the little small town chatter about what's going on and it's just i've really enjoyed it so were you a library kid not really Sort of. Oh, I mean... I was. I was a big library kid. So like you go there after school and check things out, that kind of thing, or you do work there, or what does that mean?
1: No, not after school. I feel like we would go once a week, once every other week, and I would check out a big pile of books. That's definitely how I read all of the Babysitter's Club little sister books, and then the regular Babysitter Club books. Because there are hundreds of those. We didn't buy those.
0: That's so nice. There is a really cool teen room in the library. And it just like something about it really just like warms my heart every time I see it. Because just like to have a little space of all YA or whatever is just so cool.
1: That is so cool.
0: Anyway, what's your high?
1: My high is that it just... I feel like I turned a corner and it feels like summer.
0: Oh, it does. The weather (laughs) is maybe
1: too hot and humid, but it feels summery. I... Feel like last week I had watermelon for the first time this summer. There were fireworks. I went hiking. I've just been outside a lot. I'm going to Maine tomorrow. I'll be there when this airs. I feel I feel summery and I think summer is my favorite season.
0: Has the pickleball contributed to this feeling? Oh yeah. You've been pickleballing for a sure. lot since we when I last saw you 2 weeks ago, no pickleball. Today, pickleball. A superstar. I don't know. I wouldn't go that far. You seem passionate about it, which I like. That's all you need in a racket.
1: I went to another clinic last night. I went with my friend Sarah and we met two other women. And I think we're going to create a pickleball foursome oh. with our new friends, Munis, who is six months pregnant, and Gail, who is a 67-year-old retired principal. And I'm really excited for my new pickleball friends. That sounds great. Maybe I need to join a pickleball league. I don't... Yeah, I don't think they know that I have a podcast, so... Anyway,
0: here we are. You can drop that. And then they'll refer to you as the podcast person in the group. There's the retired principal, six-month pregnant person, and then you, podcaster. Mm -hmm. What about on the low side? The low is that we had a faux tornado, which was basically a huge storm that was so intense that the National Weather Service came and investigated it because they thought it might have been a tornado. It was only 10 minutes They came and investigated it at your house? No, no. In the town which might as well be my house because it was a very like concentrated area. Only where I live got hit. Anyway, it was very intense. We went to bed, we woke up, There was no power. And then we went outside and a tree had fallen on our barn, which was not great because it was stuck up there. It did make a little bit of damage on the roof, but not too bad. But it was just so big that we couldn't get it down ourselves. So anyway, once they cleared all the roads, because that was another thing, a lot of the roads were blocked We called a tree company to take it down. I don't know what I was expecting, but just take a guess at how much it costs to remove a tree from a roof. Just throw out a number. $500? $2,000. No. And if anyone listening is familiar with tree removal and is like, wow, you got taken for a ride, do not tell me. I don't want to (laughs) know.
1: Wow.
0: Anyway, they had to get a crane and it's obviously a very dangerous thing. Cause you're dealing with obviously a huge, very heavy tree and heights. And so I'm sure that, you know, the skill is, is worth the cost, but uh, you know, it was a lot for a Wednesday. How long did it take to
1: get rid of, for the tree removal person to get rid of the tree? Like what's the hourly cost of tree removal? I think it was like an
0: hour. Oh yeah. Maybe two. Homeownership, man. He was like, well, we had to bring the crane. And I was like, okay. Oh, (laughs) that hurts. Anyway, I am obviously very grateful that we're all okay. And thank God our house is okay and everything. But it was just like, really? Really? I feel you. Really. Anywho, what's your low?
1: I have a, a stupid low in that it is the dumbest thing in the world to complain about being busy. It's obviously fully in my control. But I came back from Philly on Tuesday. I leave for Maine on Friday. I just feel like I haven't been... In my house for a full week this summer, and I don't think you have. I, I no, I I haven't. <laughs> I well, I was when you came, and I was so glad to have you come. But, but that was I, I interrupted the only your free week, week this summer. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just feeling, I guess, guilt about not being as productive as I want to be, and just feeling really scattered. So I'm, I'm hoping I'm going to be productive when I'm up in Maine. But yeah, I'm feeling a little bit guilty about how much I'm getting done on my book. It's not as much as I want. I just, I feel like I have a never ending to-do list when I'm here of just random admin stuff that I have to do. So yeah, I'm like overwhelmed a little bit.
0: Yeah, I would feel the same way if I was, I mean, I was traveling a lot last year and I kind of felt that way. It was just hard to settle into a work schedule. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope you get there but enjoy Thanks. Maine too.
1: Thank you. Do you want to talk about shopping? Sure. I am very curious about this question too. Somebody wanted to know what are your holy grail makeup items?
0: I will talk about the two products that I've used the longest for this. So the first okay. one is It Cosmetics CC Cream, which I'm sure I've talked about on here before. It's the only foundation I've really used consistently. I tried the Jones Road one, did not like it. I did like the brush, but not the foundation at all. Have you tried Jones Road, the foundation?
1: I haven't. I have tried the It Cosmetics one.
0: Oh, you don't like it? And it it was
1: not my favorite because I
0: feel like it transferred onto everything. Oh, interesting. So I use like the tiniest amount. Maybe that helps. I don't know. Mm. And I uh, usually blend it with a little bit of face oil. So it kind of thins it out even more. Maybe that makes a difference, but it has sunscreen and I feel like it looks good on me. So I like that. And I think it's like relatively affordable. I feel like one container of it will last me like 18 months, probably, maybe two years. And then my second thing is one of two mascaras. One is the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which is really expensive and cannot be bought in like a Sephora, which I don't understand why. And the other one a dupe. Again, I've talked about this before, but I don't really wear that much makeup. So I feel like I only have these to talk about is the Cali Ray waterproof tubing mascara, which my only complaint is that it's a little bit hard to remove. That's all I have. I feel like I should have brought something new, but I didn't want to be disingenuous and talk about something that I've only used for like a couple months or something. What about you?
1: I have a new one and an old one. Okay. So my old one is the Anastasia Beverly Hills perfect brow pencil. It is not the brow whiz one that I feel like a lot of people like. It is the actual pencil. The thicker one that you like sharpen, right? The one that you sharpen. Yeah. I've used this for years and years and I feel like it blends so well. It looks so natural. I just, I feel very happy with it. I just keep rebuying it and rebuying it and rebuying it. I've probably had 10 at this point. Solid choice. Can't recommend it more. My second one, a newer one is I've gotten really into the Rare Beauty liquid blush that comes in the tube. Yes, And when I first got it, I didn't think I liked it. It had a steep learning curve because (laughs) it is so pigmented. And I found that you kind of need to take it out, wipe off on the sides of the tube. Like, so you just have like the littlest bit of product and then dab it on. And one dot on each cheek will do you. You don't need to dip it back in in between because it is so potent. And so sometimes I felt like I was looking a little clownish. But now that I've learned how to apply it, I like it so much. And my problem with most blushes, because I prefer liquid blush to any other type of blush, and I always have, they don't stay on very well usually. And this one I feel like actually stays. Yeah. So... It is worth the learning curve because I feel like the product is really great and it actually stays on throughout the day versus, you know, I've used the Glossier one before. I've used the Rare Beauty one that comes in the pot and just a lot of cream blush stays on for an hour. You look great when you leave the house and then you come back and you look like a ghost.
0: Yeah, I can actually second this recommendation because I've been using the Rare Beauty liquid blush as well for almost a year now. And I use the applicator. I just put like the tiniest dot on each of my cheekbones. And then I blend it out with a brush, which I really like, a uh, big fluffy brush. And the good thing about it also is that I feel like at this rate, this single container of blush will last me until I'm about 75 with the amount of product you have to use. <laughs> like, yeah, it will literally last decades. It's so much less decades. than you think. Yes.
1: It's so much less than feels like the amount you would need.
0: I can also recommend the Rare Beauty Tinted Lip Oil, which I impulse purchased a few months ago or whenever it came out, maybe a month or two ago. And it is very, very good. Or lip stain, something like that.
1: I was on a big spree of buying new makeup at the beginning of the year. And now I've slowed down. I did make Sephora Rouge.
0: But (laughs) I might try
1: this next time I go in. Don't congratulate me. It's a (laughs) shameful thing. But I might try this next time I make an order.
0: Do it. Alternatively, what is the worst thing you have purchased in the last month?
1: I guess depends how you define worst. I mean, I recently bought a bath mat that fully did not fit the space because it was too wide and it just didn't fit the space between the bathtub and the wall. So I mean, that was a pretty bad purchase. (laughs) Been there. It was user error on my part because I didn't measure. I just assumed that bath mats came in standard sizes. And because I had one, this that is fit. something I
0: would do have done. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, that was a fairly bad purchase. I guess that's really it. I feel like everything else. I mean, I bought some things that didn't fit clothing wise, but I wouldn't say anything was a terrible purchase.
0: Okay. What about you? This one is pretty clear to me. I bought a tiny hat for Winnie that oh. had little holes for her ears that <laughs> Okay, so the whole purpose of it is that you run it underwater and then like a cooling effect activates with the hat. And it has like a little chin strap. She puts her little ears through and then it keeps her little head cool. But let's be honest, I got it because it was adorable and tiny. And I was just imagining her wearing the tiny hat. She does not like the hat. So (laughs) I now just have to look at it every day. Like it's too small for me, so it cannot be repurposed in any way. I know Winnie likes
1: shirts. And sweaters, which is she doesn't like anything on her ears.
0: I, yeah. I mean, she'll like let it sit there for a minute, but then when she starts moving, it like bothers her and she like claws at it. So, you know, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: maybe like we haven't tried it though with the full cooling effect. And I also got her a cooling mat, which she really loves. So I don't know. It's a hot day. Maybe I'll, I'll take her out for a little jaunt with her new accessory and see if the tides have turned, but. As someone who has been trying to do fewer impulse purchases, it was not my best moment.
1: But I get it. It would have been so cute. It
0: would have. You had
1: to try. I did.
0: I I did. I'm glad you understand. It was a
1: moral obligation.
0: (laughs) I think so, too.
1: (laughs) So I have a question that we're, we're not really going to answer, but I want to talk about actually two questions. So the first one just said, budgeting, exclamation point. How do you decide what to spend on travel, living expenses, clothing, future, etc.? And the second one says, can you do an episode on finances and interview a financial planner? And I can only speak for myself, but I will say the short answer is you do not want my financial <laughs> advice and I do not want to give you any. I do not consider myself particularly financially savvy. We've discussed on the podcast before and been railed for both of us admitting we do not have 401ks. Truly, you do not want my advice on this topic. I don't have advice on this topic.
0: Yeah, if there's one area that I feel I have a significant amount to learn and also very little desire to do so... Well, that's not true. I do want to learn to be better with money, but... But not publicly. Not publicly. <laughs> no. And yeah, I'm not an expert on any of this to say the least.
1: And I don't think we want to position ourselves as experts and or have a financial planner on the podcast I will recommend, though, if this is something you want to learn about, I do really like the Financial Confessions podcast hosted by Chelsea Fagan, which is part of the financial diet. So that's a great personal finance podcast. I feel like the other one that's really popular I've never listened to is Jay Shetty's podcast. So there's plenty out there, but I don't think that on paper is going to veer into this space.
0: I think that's for the best.
1: Yeah. But we get asked about it all the time. And I really just don't want our advice.
0: So one hard-hitting financial hypothetical for you, though, before we get out of shopping. If you could permanently change the price of something to $1, what would you choose? Before you answer, I have to share that this question has kept me up since we (laughs) received it like two weeks ago. Because, okay, taking travel off the table which I feel like is the given.
1: I was going to say there's two obvious answers and it's either
0: airfare or hotel. Right. Okay, so take those off the table because I feel like that's the easy one. Then what do you do? That's the real... Food. Tough question. Restaurants. I was going to choose a specific food. You were going to say all restaurants? Yeah. All food, $1. Well, that would be great.
1: Yeah. Everything's the dollar menu. I would probably
0: never cook again. No, that's not true. But I would go absolutely wild in the grocery store each week.
1: Well, before you put this limitation on it, I was going to say hotels because I feel like airfare might be the more obvious answer, but airfare is usually cheaper than if you add up the cost of a hotel for multiple nights.
0: I didn't think of hotels, to be honest. I just thought of travel as a whole and you're totally right there. Okay. So what would yours be if you take travel off the table? I was thinking more specific. And I was thinking sushi because I really, although this doesn't even make sense because I don't have very good sushi near me or really any. So I don't know.
1: I don't have sushi often enough for this to really positively impact my life. Like, I feel like I have sushi four times a year at this point.
0: Yeah. I just really love sushi. And I feel like it's very expensive if you get good sushi, which I rarely do because I kind of like a mediocre sushi too, which... It is a personal problem that you'll deal with in private. (laughs) I really love a lunch, like a sushi lunch with a Diet Coke is a really like just top tier experience for me, right up there with Caesar salad and french fries and Diet Coke. Anyway, we've gotten off track here. Let's take an ad break. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. For some people, big decisions come easily, for others, they're a constant battle. For me, it's a little bit of both. Sometimes I know exactly what I want to do or should do and others I cannot make up my mind at all. This can make things kind of confusing. That's why talking through decisions with a therapist has been so helpful for me in the past. It's not that the therapist tells me what to do or what to choose, but they have guided me through my own feelings and helped me uncover what I truly wanted and needed in different situations.
1: Whether you're dealing with decisions around career, relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life, so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, convenient, flexible, and can work with your unique schedule.
0: I obviously talk through big life decisions with Jake all the time, but with smaller sort of weekly things like work or creative projects, it was always so nice when I was working with my therapist regularly to have an additional set of completely unbiased ears to listen to me and help me decide what to do. Knowing I had a session with my therapist set up each week to talk through any tough choices that might arise was such a comfort.
1: Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash paper today for 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash paper.
0: So moving on to books, we have a lot of books questions. Becca, how do you rate books and what qualifies a five-star book for you?
1: So I think that now as I enter my author era, that's cool. I think I'm adopting a policy of five stars or nothing. If I'm going to actually put a rating against a book, it's only going to be five stars because I'm starting to feel from the other side, well first of all, I wouldn't want any public figure to be giving my book a three or four star rating and then trying to defend the fact that they like I really liked it, but I just I didn't like it enough for it to be five stars. Like that's not a nice thing that I want to hear from somebody who has a big platform. And I get it. I was talking to my agent about this the other week and I was saying, you know, I feel like when you're not an author, first of all, I know that people want to shit talk about books. It's like fun to talk about things you dislike. People like want to talk about that with us. Um, And I feel like it also helps your credibility when you talk negatively about books sometimes because then people trust your good reviews more. But I just, I feel like I just have to be golden rule. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. So, you know, I think maybe some things will sneak through on the podcast where I'm a little more candid, but I'm kind of only talking about the books I love and not talking about the
0: other ones now. So, okay. Hypothetically, if you read something in your mind, you're like, oh, maybe that was a four-star read. You're saying you would give it five stars. Yeah. Okay. I think
1: that as I'm becoming an author, everything gets bumped up a star from what I would have given it normally. Okay. Because five stars, I used to, okay, if this makes sense, five stars used to be for the books that were, you know, maybe I had five a year that were incredible that I wanted to just gift to people in my life that I wanted to save to reread that really stuck with me. Like I was really stingy with five stars. Whereas four stars was like, I really enjoyed this. I would recommend this, but I'm not going to buy it for people.
0: Yeah. So like anything from two to five you would give a five or if it's like three to five you would give a five
1: no if it's a four it would now be a five if it's a three or lower I'm just not going to talk about it
0: okay huh that makes sense
1: I don't know I honestly am having a, a tough time trying to figure this part out I know it's such a silly thing but I'm having a really hard time navigating it and that's kind of where
0: I've settled for the moment maybe it'll change I don't know how do you feel so I haven't been writing books on Goodreads for a while now, at least this year, maybe longer. I honestly just use it to keep track of what I've read because I forget almost instantly. Like when we're going through this outline and writing what we read this week, I've already forgotten. I go to Goodreads to look. But as a reader, I don't really like Goodreads. Like I actively try not to. And I know that there's story graph, right? That's supposed to be mm-hmm. better. So maybe I'll switch to that. But as a reader, I really try not to look at a rating or reviews because it immediately impacts my experience with the book in ways that I don't like. And honestly, I don't even like looking at the reviews after I've already read the book myself and formed an opinion because... Oh,
1: interesting. Yeah. I I love reviews. So that's also why this has been really hard for me <laughs> because I love using reviews to guide what I'm going to read. I love if I dislike something going and reading other people's feedback, kind of like a discussion in my head. I love
0: reviews. I mean, sometimes I'll look, I just, I hate the feeling of having such a nice experience with a book and then reading negative reviews of it that make me not question my experience, but like, I don't know. They just kind of cast a shadow on my otherwise great experience or even the other way around. If I don't really like a book, but then I feel like I should or something, that makes me feel weird too. So I try to like really talk about the books that I love a lot. And you know, find things that I like about everything else or things that I appreciated. I feel like my philosophy is, if it's a five-star read for me, you'll know kind of thing if you follow me on any platform. But yeah, no more stars for me.
1: Who knew this was going to be so fraught?
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I think like you were saying, it's different if you write because part of me is like anyone who's written anything, I just can't imagine seeing anything other than a great review, like it's just got to be so hard. So that probably colors my my perspective as well.
1: Here's another question. How do you come up with ideas for your books?
0: Well, you are in your author era, so I will let you <laughs> I will let you tackle this.
1: I would say. I was listening to a podcast yesterday and I can't remember who it was with, but they were talking about how ideas wasn't a problem for them. They have like three or four ideas a week. And I was like, oh, that's so contrary to my own experience. I feel like I have two or three good ideas a year. They always happen on walks. I've never been in the position where I've had to try to force it, where I'm like, gosh, I need an idea and I don't have any time. I feel like a couple times a year, I'll be on a walk. I think it's always on a walk. And I'll just, I'll kind of, turn over an idea in my head and it'll click and I'll, I'll be like, oh yeah, this is something. And if I'm not available to like write it right now, I'll just write it in my notes app and then save it to go back to. And sometimes when I go back to it, I'm like, huh? <laughs> what was that? Or think that it's not a very good idea. And some of them I feel like stick with you. And I, I'm the most predictable person in the world. But to refer to Shonda Rhimes' masterclass, which I've referenced no less than 50 times on this <laughs> podcast, she says something about that she doesn't believe in writing down ideas because if an idea is good enough, if it's strong enough, it'll stick with you. And I do kind of believe that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've personally always had this idea of writing a book set in the Outer Banks. And I feel like you can start with an idea for a setting or a theme. Like I think a lot about ideas for books in terms of like, I'd really like to explore like this aspect of, I don't know, culture or being a woman or whatever. And then I feel like you can oh, build around so it. that's interesting.
1: I feel like my book ideas always start with plot.
0: Yeah. See, I wish that, that was the case because it would make writing probably a lot easier.
1: <laughs> I wish mine started with character. I feel like that would make it a lot easier.
0: Yeah, I feel like in the end you get to you get to where you need to be no matter what. So
1: that's true. That's true. Somebody wants to know how do you find out about the quote unquote hottest books of the season.
0: I don't know. I mostly I mostly rely on Bookstagrammers and you and like random roundups of what's coming out in, you know, whatever month. What about you? I mean, I feel like if a book that
1: comes out is hot enough, you'll see it everywhere on Bookstagram if you're following people in the Bookstagram space and you know, if you follow the types of people who come on our biannual reading preview episodes, like I think following those sorts of people will give you a good sense of what books are being talked about and they'll share content from other people too. I also get the publisher's lunch newsletter, which is paid. I think it's it's expensive. I want to say it's like $180 every six months. Wow. Yeah, and that has a lot of Intel in it, in terms of it covers like the indie next book picks. It covers, they do either two or three times a year a reading preview of upcoming books. They also cover, you know, the Barnes and Noble and Amazon picks for the month. So it has a lot of different sources of data. And then I also just go on Goodreads and I go to the new releases section and you can sort it by months and you can even look months ahead. And I just look at what the top books are there and it's certainly not scientific, but I feel like it gives you a good sense of what people are hyped about before they come out. What has the most shelved ads. So yeah, I feel like that's that's kind of how I see
0: it. I'm curious to hear your answer about this one, Becca. What books did you enjoy much to your surprise, whether it was because of the genre or the author?
1: I mean, I feel like you know this. I feel like the book that has most surprised me is Project Hail Mary, <laughs> which was your favorite book. And I read kind of in deference to you as, you know, trying to build (laughs) our communal taste, our friendship. And I did not think I was going to like it because I don't read a lot by male authors. I don't read any science fiction and I loved it.
0: Oh, that makes me so happy to hear. I've recommended
1: it to so many people too offline. So, I mean, I feel like that has been my biggest surprise
0: recently. I love that. What about you? Do you have one? Well, a recent one that I actually just finished this past week that I was kind of I think you had talked about it and you said you liked it, but because I'm I'm generally not as excited about romance as I am about other stuff, so I just go in with like very neutral expectations, but I read and finished The True Love Experiment by Christina Lauren. You read that one, right? I loved yeah. it. And I really really liked it. Like I enjoyed it much more than happy place. I'm only comparing them because they're both romance and they're not really similar in any other way. But I just I enjoyed it a lot more. I couldn't put it down. So that really surprised me how into it I was.
1: I'm debating in my head. I'm like, I think it's their best one, but then I also love Love and Other Words. So I think it's like tied for their best one in my head. I
0: also really liked Love and Other Words too. So maybe I need to read more Christina Lauren. But I really wish I had read that book in like a pool somewhere because it was just really fun. And great. It was
1: fun. (laughs) Oh, here's an interesting one. What's your nightmare, fictional character and chain restaurant combo?
0: Well, I'm going to say Dane from Fourth Wing because... Sure. Just terrible man. And in terms of where we're going, honestly, like, pretty much anywhere, I would say, any sort of chain restaurant. Because if there's one thing I know about Dane, it's that he would be above a Panera, a Chili's, a cheesecake factory. Mm. Like you can tell that about him. Would, you can just tell. He would be like, "Do you know how many calories are in that?" Or yeah. like Your body's a temple. Yeah, exactly. Like how am I supposed to be this chiseled when we're eating this tower of nachos and I don't need that energy in my life ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so he would then completely mar the experience of, you know, bottomless chips at Chili's or a chicken tender bowl. And yep. No. What's your answer? <laughs> you know, I feel like it would be really
1: unpleasant to go with Steven from Tell Me Lies, the gaslighting boyfriend
0: oh, to a Burger King. Gosh, it would be deeply unpleasant.
1: You know, he would be trying to gaslight you and convince you that Burger King is good when I've truly never had a good meal at a Burger King. There is nothing I like there.
0: You do not like <laughs> you don't like the Whopper.
1: No, I, I well, I'm allergic to sesame seeds, and all of oh, their yeah. buns have sesame seeds on them. Mm. I don't like a Whopper. I don't like their fries. I can't remember what their chicken tenders are, but they're not good. And so, yeah, I feel like that sounds awful.
0: Yeah, to eat with
1: Steven. Hard pass. At a Burger hard King. pass.
0: Yeah. So here's a question that I feel like you'll be good at answering: How do publishers okay. decide who gets an arc and who gets approved on NetGalley?
1: Well, one thing that I've learned is that, at least in my case, and maybe this isn't the case with all books, how scarce arcs are. The way these things get talked about, it's like we're talking about very valuable
0: gold bars. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that.
1: It's really funny because I've always requested arcs from publishers because I don't like to read on a screen if I can help it. And I have not realized how special these are. And so with mine... I feel like we have, maybe it's like 60 or 70, and deciding who gets an ARC and who doesn't and who has to wait for a finished copy, it's like very intense negotiations.
0: That is pretty intense.
1: Yeah, and I think it's because ARCs are very expensive to print. I think they get printed either domestically or potentially even in-house, And because they're printing such a small quality, they miss out on a lot of those like economies of scale. So I don't know specifically how much one costs, but I think it's like an art costs much more than a regular book does to print.
0: That's very interesting. And then who gets approved on
1: NetGalley? I think it's an art, not a science. And I think for certain books, like I know we talked about with my book doing something where it was just open for anyone to read, to download on NetGalley. And they were thinking how you know, if those people read it and reviewed it and recommended it, like that could then create echoes when the book came out. So it would get to an even broader section of people. And we didn't ultimately end up doing that at least right now. But I feel like the strategy is very like not set in stone. I don't think there's a rule where it's like, you need to have a hundred followers, or you need to have left a hundred reviews on NetGalley in order to get something. I think it's definitely more of an art than a science, at least as far as I've heard those conversations. But then I've also heard, like my agent has said, or other bookstagrammers have said that they get denied for a thing. So I, you know, I don't know. It is just like wildly subjective.
0: Hmm. No hard and fast rules, I guess. No, I don't
1: think so. I think it feels like from the outside that there, there would be, but I don't think there are. Somebody wanted to know if all the books you would ever write had to be set in one season, which one and why?
0: Hmm. I found this to be a very interesting question.
1: I have an idea of what I think you'll say.
0: I think you will think that I will say fall.
1: Yeah, because it's the spookiest season. Yeah,
0: but actually, so one of the books I've written is set in Florida and in summer, a lot of it. And I found that really fun to write because I grew up in Florida, but also like there's something so physically uncomfortable with heat and sweating. And I feel like it plays really well into like discomfort and tension in thrillers. So. Oh yeah. That's interesting. I don't know if I had, if I had to only pick summer, but I feel like it is the easiest for me to write because I grew up somewhere where it's always hot. <laughs> okay. Although I do love fall and it is spooky season. So it's, it's. I don't know. I have a lot of different feelings about it, but what about you? I have a feeling too, but I don't know if I'm right.
1: Well, ironically, <laughs> so the book that I wrote and the book that I am writing are both winter books because the first one is very much a Christmas book. And the second one is kind of half a Christmas book, half not, but I would pick summer because I just love a beach read. I love a summer romance more than anything else, and so this is so funny that we both are thinking only pick summer. One. But you're like, if I had to only pick one, it would be
0: summer. <laughs> uh, yeah, I. Sorry, I interrupted you, but I was just thinking how funny it is that you're saying summer because it's like summer romance, happy, free, and I'm like summer, so uncomfortable <laughs> and dark <laughs> and hot. <laughs> but I love that.
1: I think that's very emblematic of the way our brains work.
0: <laughs> yeah. It is.
1: Here's one for you. Does Jake read? And if so, what does he like to read?
0: Jake does read. He is capable. <laughs> no. Um he well, I don't, I don't think that was the question. <laughs> I know. Is does Jake he read a reader? For yeah. yeah. Uh, is Jake literate? Yes, he does. So Jake reads like every night before he falls asleep, but he falls asleep like pretty much instantly. So I think he averages probably like maybe half a dozen books a year, which is perfectly fine. He reads a lot of, like, nonfiction. I'm always, like, putting books in front of him. Like, I think you'll like this. Try this one next. But yes, he does read, but not in the same way that I do.
1: Do you happen to know what he would say his favorite book of all time is?
0: I feel like he told me this recently and I forgot. I don't know. But I do know that he did love Project Hail Mary as well.
1: Okay. Good taste. Yeah. (laughs) Here's a question I want to know the answer to. <laughs> Olivia, oh, moving into the miscellaneous ones. Where are we going on our trip and what is our ideal vacation together?
0: I thought it was established that we're going to Canada.
1: Yeah, but we haven't made any plans. We haven't picked a week.
0: I know. Well, it's kind of a crazy rest of the year.
1: I feel like I'm getting the brush off.
0: <laughs> You're not. I mean, let's just say I let's feel like say, I am. Like, December? Sorry, I'm trying to think of my schedule because we are considering staying either with my parents or Jake's parents or both between Thanksgiving and Christmas. So I'm like then I would not be here, which would make traveling more difficult. I could still fly. Anyway, maybe November? Early November or something?
1: L- literally, you pick a weekend <laughs> and I I will clear my calendar. Okay,
0: I will. Although you What's are our- just as booked as I am. <laughs> But
1: I will I will cancel things. <laughs> oh,
0: my gosh. Okay. Okay.
1: What's our ideal vacation together? I actually feel like I have two ideal vacations with you, and I don't think that either of them are the thing that we're doing.
0: <laughs> okay, tell me. I feel Magic like Mike? one
1: ideal. Well, no, they're both like reading, relaxing vacations. And so one would be going to some kind of beach resort where you don't even leave the resort and you just right. drink cocktails on the beach and read a book a day. And the second thing would be going to some type of cozy cabin where we're cooking a lot of meals and drinking wine and then just, you know, reading by a fire maybe while it snows. But instead, we're going to Canada <laughs> for a city
0: trip to see Toronto, which I'm excited about. I just... Well, look, it's not set in stone. We can change this at any any point. I just want to pick a date, Olivia. Okay. We will. We should let the people do it just give them three dates let them pick a date (laughs) I guess I don't know why I'm having such a hard time planning things this year I'll plan it just tell me a date okay I'll look at my calendar
1: I'll do all the work just I'm so (laughs) desperate for you I'm like be my friend
0: (laughs) I am I'm coming to see you in two weeks again take my Canada virginity (laughs) it will be together oh you've never been to Canada either I have I don't know I've been there twice I have no idea why I said that (laughs) Okay. <laughs> it was very brief, both trips.
1: Mm. Mm. So you haven't fully penetrated Canada?
0: No. I was going to say Canada hasn't penetrated me, but I feel like it has. Oh. I, so this, we're moving on. I'm going to get you a new
1: question before you <laughs> please, say something. Please. You brought <laughs> both up. both regret. You brought it. Olivia, how are you finding making friends in your new home?
0: Better than I was expecting. Okay. I can't say that I've gone out of my way to meet people, but I have met up with a few people and it's been very nice and we've hung out multiple times. And I feel like I'm getting to know like familiar faces at places we go a lot and stuff, but I also haven't really been like trying that hard. Like it's not like I'm joining book clubs and and all of that. So, it's been interesting.
1: I can't wait till you run for city council and volunteer <laughs> at the library.
0: I kind of want to. I kind of want to.
1: I feel like that's really going to break the town wide open for you. I think it will. Stay
0: tuned. Maybe you're going to be the mayor of this town someday. I don't even know if we have a mayor. It's too small, I think.
1: Somebody must be in charge.
0: I'll have to find out. I'll go to the town hall. I'll walk down the street. <laughs> okay.
1: Let's get out of these questions and into matter.
0: What's your obsession?
1: It's obviously pickleball. So I have a friend who's obsessed with pickleball. My friend Lydia started playing pickleball during the pandemic. She was in Florida with her parents and it was like deep pandemic where you couldn't do indoor things. And so they started playing pickleball at, I don't even know where they were staying. She's gotten really, really into it. And I had never played, but she just took a job as the CMO of City Pickle, which is this new pickleball company. They're opening an indoor facility in Long Island City later this year, but right now they have pop-up courts in Central Park. And so I've never played. And I feel like, you know, just wanting to support her as a friend, I needed to try it. So I went on Friday. Oh, we were supposed to go when you were here. We were supposed to go together to a pickleball Introductory clinic, but it got canceled. So I rescheduled and I went on Friday and I really enjoyed it. I've only played pickleball in truly horrific conditions. <laughs> on Friday, it was 90 degrees and unsafe air quality. Oh gosh. And then I went to Philly with Lydia over the weekend. We played again with her 69 year old dad and his 70 something friend. I got crushed. They were so good.
0: It was only your second time.
1: It's only my second time. And then I went on Wednesday, yesterday, with my friend Sarah to the Advanced Beginner Clinic. And Ooh. I am really enjoying it. It's Well, I was going to say it's nice to be outside, but it's not nice to be outside <laughs> 90 degree heat. But it's nice to have an outdoor activity. It's athletic, but it's not so athletic because it's the quarter of the size of a tennis court. So you're running, but you're not right. running huge distances. And it's very social. I'm, I'm really enjoying it.
0: Yeah, I was going to say like, Explain to me the pickleball appeal because I guess it's just what you said, right? It's like not as hard as tennis, like not as much as the learning curve.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm hopeful that when I come back from Maine, I want to kind of get like an every other week game going. It's
0: something I'd like to get better at. Sounds very fun. And I want to get a skirt. Oh yeah. Like a like a there's cute tennis clothes. Skirt. Yeah. I like that idea. Me
1: too. Oh, I will say while I have the floor. I also just installed one sec, your obsession from a few weeks (laughs) ago, the social media limiting app. I installed it on Tuesday and I can't say that I love it. I more so hate
0: it, (laughs) but it is very effective. It is. I can't say that it gets less annoying. It kind of doesn't. Are you using it for Instagram or TikTok? Both. Okay. Yeah. See, so with Instagram, I find I open it way more during the day, but I'm on it less. So like if I open TikTok, I'm there for hours. So it like, it has completely solved that problem. But Instagram, it's been more difficult for me, but it has helped a lot. I'm on my phone less for sure. Godspeed to you.
1: No, it definitely has helped. It's made me more conscious of how many times I open it. There's no reason I need to open Instagram 20 times a day. But then also it's really annoying because sometimes I will have to open it for mm-hmm. a work purpose. Like earlier I needed to figure out what our voicemail number was for Bat on Paper. Yeah. Which was a legitimate work thing. And I was totally. like,
0: oh, just like let me go. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I'm like, is there not some sort of like in-between thing that we could figure out? Although last night I was like, oh, God, I need this because I opened it. It was like, do you really want to go on? And I was like, no, I don't. Closed it. Immediately reopened it. Like literally like and without even thinking it's about compulsive. it. Closed it and then it's reopened compulsive. it. And I was like, oh, my God, you are sick. You need help, Olivia. Anyway, I'm trying.
1: <laughs> you did warn that it's hard to set up. It wasn't nearly as hard to set up as I expected. Oh, so. it's just
0: like a little more annoying than you expect. I th- it is. Yeah.
1: But I thought their instructions were really good. Mm-hmm. So if anyone got scared off by that. Yeah. I didn't think it was prohibitive. What's your obsession?
0: My obsession is this show called Silo on Apple TV. It came out, I guess, like maybe in May. I don't know. I never heard about it. Literally never heard about it. Me either. I haven't heard of it. I am obsessed with it. Jake and I watched it over the weekend. The premise of it is... 10,000 people live in a silo underground and none of them know why. And they're not allowed to talk about the before times. They're not allowed to talk about how they got there. They're not allowed to talk about why they can't go outside. Apparently, it's based on a series of books that I had also never heard of. I loved it. It had like Hunger Games vibes to me. I love dystopian stuff. It's the best show I've watched in a long time. It's not perfect and it gets a little bit slow in the middle. But honestly, like I was on the edge of my seat just like trying to dying to figure out what happened. So I highly suggest.
1: Will there be more seasons or it's just a one season thing?
0: I don't know. Apple TV is so mysterious. They like don't advertise these things. Like shrinking, I never saw an ad for, never saw anything for on my TV. And then it was just incredible. And I hope there's going to be another season of Silo too. I'm assuming there's going to be one of shrinking, but
1: I don't know. Hopefully. Well, tell me about books. You
0: have such a list (laughs) here and I feel like you've been in a book slump. And so I need to know what you read. Yes. I'm reading so much more, which I feel like is a general indication of my mental health being better. But um, okay. So I finally read The Whispers by Ashley Aldrain. I loved this. It is one of my favorites of the year, I think. Oh,
1: that's interesting. I feel like I've heard so much less about this than I did about The Push. So I was wondering if people didn't
0: like it. It's weird because I could see arguments for the book being too different than The Push and also on the side of it being too similar to The Push. There's like a lot it has in common thematically and they're both incredibly dark, but I would say The Whispers isn't as like jump scare-y. It's more like deeply disturbing. Okay. But again, like just like The Push, I thought it spoke to, I don't know, women and society and motherhood and pressures of motherhood and all of that very well. And I just really like love her writing and I feel so compelled by it. So I don't know if I liked it quite as much as The Push, but it's still like a favorite of the year for me. I also read The True Love Experiment by Christina Lauren, I already talked about that. I also read Delicate Condition by Daniel Valentine, which comes out in August. This is like a true... Horror novel, which I don't think I've ever really read one before.
1: Love, hate. Where are where you? I don't know? know. It's
0: about a woman who is going through fertility treatments. She finally becomes pregnant, and then basically, it's like a kind of like Rosemary's Baby type of thing. Like the baby is like the uh, cursed, <laughs> sort of like it's trying to claw out of her stomach and stuff. I thought it was very interesting. And very well done. I don't know if horror is for me, but if it is for you, I think check it out. Clearly, you're saying that to the listener, not to me, Becca
1: Freeman. No, I, I cannot. establish
0: horror is not for me. I cannot think of anything that would appeal to you less. It was actually there were parts where I was like disgusted. I was like, "Oh my god, did I read that correctly?" But I read the whole thing, so make of that what you will. And I think this author wrote YA before, which is kind of interesting. Oh, this gosh. is a different. This is like a pen name or a changed name. Anywho. And then I also read The Displacements by Bruce Holsinger, who wrote The Gifted School, which I really liked. It came out maybe, I don't know, 2018 or something. Oh my gosh. This book has been in my pile
1: (laughs) since Sarah Dickinson from Sarah's Bookshelves recommended it last year. And it keeps getting pushed down because of newer books that I want to read. But I still really want to read this.
0: Yeah. Literally same. I actually saw it at your house and I was like, I've had that book for just as long. I need to read it. And I generally, like, have really similar tastes to Sarah, I think, for books. I would say that, like, I mostly loved this book, but it was one of those books where, you know, I call it the series of unfortunate events feeling where it's, like, so much bad shit is happening that, like, it's really hard to keep reading at a certain point. You're just, like, it's like bad thing after bad thing after bad luck after bad thing. And there was a really sad scene with the dog, which was hard. Anyway... I mostly really liked this book. Not a five-star for me, but mostly really liked. Anyway, what have you read?
1: I only have two things to talk about. So the first thing I read was Love Theoretically by Allie Hazelwood. So this is her new book that came out last month and has been on the New York Times bestseller list. And I read The Love Hypothesis very late to the game last month. And so I, I wanted to pick up this one too because I just really enjoyed that one. And this book was laced with something so addictive. From the very beginning, I just wanted to shirk all responsibilities to just read this in one sitting, even though I couldn't. I was really pulled in by this one, which is interesting because the dynamic between the love interest was not my favorite. She was kind of a doormat and he was a little bit controlling and I didn't love the dynamic, but it was so well plotted and it it had a lot to say about academic politics, which I thought was really interesting and was once again, something I'd never seen in a romance book before. So I loved it. I, every time I put it down, I just couldn't wait till I could pick it back up again. Yeah. Isn't
0: this what Beatreads and Bubbly recommended? Yes. Uh, yeah, when she, yeah. When she was on the podcast. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it hadn't come out yet. I don't think she'd read it. And I don't know if she has yet. I I have to look on her page to see what she thought about it. And then I also, oh, um, I wrote my first blurb for another book. Oh, that's
0: cool. Which I was
1: so honored to be asked. And it's especially special because it was by one of my favorite authors. So I got to read an advanced copy of The Good Part by Sophie Cousins. And if you've been listening here for a long time, you'll know that I absolutely adored her book This Time Next Year. And I think that the good part is her best book yet, which I don't say lightly because I loved her debut. So it kind of reminded me a little bit of The Midnight Library meets 13 Going on 30. So it's about this kind of messy 26-year-old who wishes to get to the good part in her life where she has money and she has the partner of whoever she's gonna end up with. So she gets dropped into her future life and she doesn't have any of the memories of the in between, so it, she's kind of in a fake it till you make it. Thirteen going on thirty, Stitch trying to figure out what's going on in her life, but you know, of course, she also learns that it's not all good, and it's wonderful. It's not. It's not a romance. It's not. I don't know how you would classify this book.
0: Hmm. It sounds really interesting.
1: I thought it was so unique. But it also had a lot of like fun, nostalgic bits that really reminded me of, you know, 13 Going on 30 and Freaky Friday and those types of movies from the OOS I guess, that were so popular. And I just adored this. So it's coming out in November and I highly recommend you pre-order it.
0: Well, I think that's all we have for you. Just a reminder that our book club pick for this month is Same Time Next Summer by Annabelle Monahan, which comes highly recommended by Becca. And... Well... It was our listeners pick book
1: club oh yes, that our listeners that. picked for us. Also that. But I did, I do think, I said in February and I stand by it, I think this is the book of the summer. If you liked every summer after last year, I think you'll like this. It's about a woman who's very straight laced. Uh, she's like an uptight consultant and she goes back to the casual Long Island beach town where she grew up spending summers to look at a wedding venue and she runs into the man who was her first love. And it's told an alternating now and then timeline. So in the past, you get to see how this couple came together. and In the past, you see them having this like awkward run in and and kind of figuring their stuff out. And the whole book is so charming. And I just, I truly loved it. I think it's a perfect beach read.
0: And if you want to talk more about any of this, you can join us in the Facebook group at Bat on Paper Podcast and on Instagram at Bat on Paper Podcast. And I'm on Instagram at Olivia Mentor. And Olivia
1: has an incredible newsletter that you should absolutely sign up to if you go to oliviamentor.substack.com.
0: Oh, thank you. And pre-order Becca's book as well. Do you have the the link for that? Look at us.
1: Just buy it wherever books are <laughs> sold. It's want. The Christmas Orphans <laughs> Club. And I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. All right, everyone. Bye. See you next week.